Welcome to the Black Hat Chat podcast with Lee Johnson and Reverend Kai, a weekly show about living as a modern crafter where two witches discuss a variety of topics concerning magic and witchcraft. You can also catch us live on Fridays on YouTube. The links are in the description of the podcast or in the about section. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea and let's begin. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good people. <laughs> this is the Black Hat Chat collaboration between myself, E.W. Johnson, here in South Africa, where it's nice and warm, and Rev Kai over there in the US, where it's nice and freezing. Freezing. <laughs> not even freezing. Not that warm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not up to freezing yet, and will not be today. So. It's just break the bones cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If this is your first time here, please have a look at the uh, the description below, and you will find a link tree for the Black Hat Chat, where you will find our Patreon and Ko-fi channels. You can sign up for what's on the telly. We do two a month, two reviews of TV series or movies that are magically and witchcraft related, and we also have the Wildwood Temple, where you can join and uh, get involved in some discussions about magical witchcraft uh, on discord and on facebook all right oh need to say we've got to take a vote for oh, yeah. the next public what's on the telly and it is going to be between the matrix and the hogfather so i will put that on uh, as a poll on youtube and we'll have it on the discord server and on the facebook group so you can go to Either one of those and vote. Don't go to all of them because that's cheating. <laughs> I don't care if you go to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were both they were both good movies and they're both good reviews. The Matrix was was actually a review. It wasn't a review of the latest one. It was uh, a review of first, first, second, and third ones. This was done before. Matrix 4 uh, came well, out. Yeah, yeah. In, in anticipation of, of the fourth one coming out. And you know, at the end of that, we talked all about uh, what we thought the Matrix 4 would be. And I don't remember what we said, because I've seen the Matrix 4 since then, since it premiered. Mm. I need to go back and see if what we said lined up. I have no idea. I don't remember yeah. what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we need both needs to go. I know, I know there was some discussion about how Neo is going to come back to life, and we said, "Well, it's the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible." Yep, yep. Uh, Rich, Richard said, "Definitely the Hogfather." Yeah, uh, the Hogfather's really good movie too. Really good movie. Mm, Lots yeah. of good stuff in there. Anyway, right. So today we are talking about cults. And I think we need to start with how to identify a cult because it is actually kind of difficult. Uh, I was giving this a lot of thought and, you know, we could immediately go to, it is a, a person or a group 
that is attracting a certain type of person and then just selling products to them um you know trying to get them swept in every time you come out with a new product they just swoop in and buy it um the problem there is that any good business that has a good sales and marketing funnel that creates loyal customers who advocate for the business could be then be regarded as a cult yeah yeah cults are they're hard um and i think when we say cult and when we talk about cult in, in this context, what we mean are damaging cults, dangerous mm. cults, abusive mm. cults, exploitative cults, you know, because um, I know I don't want to say there are good cults, but um, it's not it's not black and white. It's not a hard definitive line, which is why they are dangerous it's it's hard to know mm. i was actually also looking at the definition of cult on miriam webster and there are three different definitions one is a religion regarded as unorthodox or spurious um, then there is great devotion to a person idea object movement or work um, object of, of such devotion usually a small group of people characterized by such devotion um three is a system of religious beliefs and ritual four ritual uh, sorry formal religious veneration worship and five a system of, of the of the cure of disease based on dogma set forth by its promulgator hmm. yeah so again it's very difficult well and the um system of religious practice kind of definition is how we get like margaret murray's book the witch cult in western europe that's how mm -hmm. she's using that term and early on in gardner's writing uh, he refers to it as the witch cult as the cult of the witches and so you will see people point to those and be like see witchcraft is a cult meaning bad or cults aren't bad it's witchcraft it's paganism it's wicca whatever it is and the problem is we're using cult to mean several different things all of those things so you know as we talk about this it's easier to say just cult instead of abusive or exploitative or, or that sort of thing but we're talking about the dangerous ones, the stuff that's going to cause damage to someone's life. Mm. You know, there's um, someone in the US named Teal Swan, and there was a whole lot of controversy around her. Uh, I'm not sure how recent it was, but what I find found interesting about that was people were saying that she has created this cult because she's got this huge, I mean, massive massive following and she, on a on a youtube channel it goes into manifestation techniques abundance it goes into healing it goes into everything really but all they seem to focus on was one particular video where she was talking about she apparently says it quite a lot where you go through your life imagine yourself 15 years from now and then imagine yourself on your deathbed and they were they kept focusing on 
this whole thing of, of her being obsessed with death. And there was one particular video that YouTube apparently took down um, was where you actually visualize your suicide. Now, from her explanation and from other people's explanation compared to those who were saying that it was bad, it's, it's very difficult to actually figure out if it was good or if it was bad and if this is a cult or if it's not. Because on the one hand, by visualizing a person, the or a person visualizing their suicide, it was solidifying it so that you could manage it. You, it. It brought it into a different arena so you could actually work with it and, you know, get over what you needed to get over. That was the healing process that she was trying to portray. But at the same time, everybody was saying that if you do this, it's bad. From a, from a suicidal point of view, mm-hmm. it's going to actually do the opposite. And on a Facebook group, there's around 26,000 members on the group. Two teenagers did commit suicide. Um, Yeah, that's not good. No, it's not good. But, you know, to say it's a cult, I don't know. It's it's very difficult. Well, we've got some cult evaluation frameworks, some checklists to go through to help us figure out what's a cult and what's not yeah let me just read um oh, megan says hi hello megan and yolandi uh, said it by definition of a cult is a group that force you to cut ties with everyone that is not a part of the group yeah that's that is one definition. that's a very uh, good hallmark of many cults is the isolation that mm. you know the cult is your new family and uh your old family, your old friends are not allowed. So um, I'm going to share some links here through Lee because we've learned that me having... Are you doing, doing Bonowitz? Uh, Bonowitz. Cult. I'll start with Bonowitz. And then we also have Steve Hassan's BITE model, B-I-T-E, of uh, cult evaluation, which I think is very useful. Oops. Grab links. Let me get a clean link. Okay. Links are going into the chat. There's one. So I highly suggest that both of these, the uh, Bonowitz uh, valuation, and uh, Steve Hassan's bite model that you print them off and you keep them um, in your notebook, wherever you keep a journal, whatever, so that you have them to refer back to uh, when you're part of a group, uh, when you're thinking about joining a group, all of this other stuff. It's just something that we need to go over and we need to keep in mind and we need to regularly evaluate. And I've watched lots and lots of interviews with people who were part of cults, you know, and got out. I mean, uh, reality TV and YouTube is absolutely full of those kinds of videos. And the thing that lots and lots of people say is they didn't realize it was happening at first. Mm. You know, they were in too deep before they woke up and realized what was going on. And I've even seen a few where cult leaders say the same thing, that they didn't realize this is where this was going. They didn't, uh, they weren't planning. They weren't, 
you know, purposely steering it that way. They were being assholes. They were interested in self-aggrandizement. They were following their ego. And um, the thing, the cult leaders, when they figure out what's going on, they usually just keep at it. They keep abusing people. They keep doing the thing. Not all of them, of course. I'm sure there's groups that have been dissolved where the leader figured out that's what was happening. But anyways, um, people don't know early on when they're involved in it. So this is one of those things that you should you should keep around and you should refer to regularly um, in any group situation, any group situation. Um, I was part of a coven uh, many years ago, and one of the members had grown up in a cult. Her parents were part of a cult and so on and so forth. She got out when she was a teenager. And um, through her experience and, and talking about it in the group, we decided that every new moon, when we got together to do our logistical stuff, you know, that was when we had like our, our planning meetings and figuring out what we wanted to do for rituals and magic and sort of stuff. We sat down with this framework and went over it as a group and talked about what are we doing? How is this coming out? It didn't matter about our intentions at that time because obviously none of us were out to hurt one another, but we were looking at the effects, looking at what was happening. And um, over the course of a couple of years, we found a few things we were doing that ended up being kind of culty. And we stopped it very early on to avoid going down that road. So there's a lot of different ways um, to use this kind of information and to, you know, make it apply to your life. Uh, but also, if you're considering joining a group or if you find yourself as part of a group, especially one with a charismatic leader, look at this sort of stuff and evaluate it because it happens it happens i think i think one of the big problems is that when we talk about cults we're always talk, thinking about these big organizations mm, yeah um but i mean this this can happen in small groups i remember i once had to help a lady who um had just gotten out of a group a coven um here in south africa who well it was basically a stragaria witchcraft coven run by a paraplegic guy who only took in women and he what he would do as they came in into first degree he would shut off all of their chakras um but he would keep them shut off and what he was doing was he, he was very good at dream work and astral work and he was dreamwalking into their dreams and controlling their dreams uh, on a constant basis. And she'd been stuck in this group, this coven, for two years with her chakras shut off, completely and utterly shut off. And by the time she found me, I mean, she was so drained. It was unbelievable. Um, but, I mean, that was just a small group of people. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's a good point that you know, as magic users, we have to consider that there is also magical control, magical exploitation, application of all these principles that are in these, uh, you know, identification of cults. That is through energy, energy, magic, uh, whatever you want to term that. There's a whole nother mm -hmm. dimension. 
So there's a lot to consider and I, I, I will probably keep harping on. I don't mean to keep repeating myself, but it is so important <laughs> that uh, you, you evaluate this in every group, especially, especially those groups you think are above reproach. That's mm -hmm. where it's the most important uh, because that's where we tend to have the most blind spots, where we're in the rose-colored glasses, we don't want to see the red flags, however you want to phrase that. That's where we tend to have the most problems and are open to the moist, the biggest chance for exploitation. So, and it's really mm -hmm. hard to remember when you're with the group and you're super happy and everything's going great and you think they're the best people in the world that, hey, <laughs> I should go look at this. But it's, mm. it's so important. Well, I think every now and again, we actually say, I mean, I say right in the beginning of my, my first book is question everything, question everybody, mm -hmm. including those people who you consider to be um, authorities. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, they, they can say X, Y, and Z, but they might be charlatans. I might be a charlatan. Me too. You don't know until you actually question and you actually go check and you find out what the truth is. Well, um, I mean, not everybody's truth is the same. Right. Even if, you know. if we're not charlatans, even if we're speaking our own truth, which we mm -hmm. are, um, that doesn't mean it's it's good for you. That doesn't mean it's right for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got to find the people you vibe with. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, hello, Rahul. Uh, sorry. I got a bit. Got on a rant. Day. Yes. But yeah, question um, everything. Question everything. All the yeah. time. Uh, um, Yolandi said I've been doing some research into Scientology and they are dangerously close to being a cult. Yeah. Interestingly enough, on um, Bonowitz's site, uh, there's a link to another page from that um, uh, cult assessment thing. Um, one of the he goes into the main faiths which have been unjust, unjustly targeted as mm. oppressive uh, wait, by ACM, CCM, and oppressive governments are listed below. And one of them is Church of Scientology, amongst others being New Age, Santeria, Satanism, Unification Church, Vodun, The Way, and Wicca. Um, so according to him, it wasn't a cult. Um, well, but, yeah, I know Scientology is one of those that comes up very, very frequently. And like every religion, religious movement, um, new idea, it's not going to be practiced exactly the same in every area. Uh, I mean, we can use uh, Wicca as an example or paganism as an example. There are covens that are cults with charismatic mm. leaders that are abusing and exploiting people. That doesn't mean all of Wicca is that way. They're just working inside those uh, paradigms, in that language, in that vocab. There are covens that are very healthy, that are, you know, well-functioning, that are not at all abusive or exploitative. So, and that's going to be true pretty much across the board when there are many, many um, groups that are practicing mm -hmm. that don't have central authority. The cults we hear about, like on the news and stuff, um, you know, 
they're on compounds, they're um, communes, they're the only practicing sect of whatever it is. There aren't satellites that are doing it in other ways. So, you know, um, but that's why we have to have conversations like this. That's why we have to um, evaluate these things. And I highly recommend listening to more than us about this. Um, mm -hmm. Listen to other people that uh, talk about identifying cults. Listen to other people that talk about evaluating cults. Um, Ocean Keltoy had a very good uh, interview with uh, ex-cult baby on his show a while ago where they talked about all of this and especially uh, cults within the heathen community. So, you know, pay attention to these things. They're important. They're very important. Yeah, they tend to pop up. Uh, Richard said, uh, I got contacted by a Scientology group once and there were so many red flags. It was hilarious, though, with what they expected of their members. Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't really looked into Scientology. I mean, I know it comes from Hubbard, uh, who was part of Crowley's camp and everything else. And what's his name? Jack Parsons. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ron Hubbard mm -hmm. was. Um, and that's that's where Hubbard Strange was. Angels en ended when Hubbard knocked on the door. Yeah, and then there should <laughs> have been another season that. after that, but they stopped. I know. Um, have we put our review of Strange Angel up? I think it's up on our Patreon site and our Kofi site. I think we've already done that. I actually don't think so. Really? Let me go to no, look. Let me go to look. It ages ago. Yeah. Let's have a look. I know. We haven't released it yet. Oh. Uh, it's supposed, we have it scheduled for next month in February, our review of Strange okay. Angel. So there we go. So eventually he'll go public. Well, yeah. might do, depends on the votes. <laughs> mm -hmm. We record these things a bit in advance with our, our wacky schedules. So, yes, I'd love to know. Can somebody please tell me what this three letters dot three letters is supposed to be? Yeah, these keep showing up because if it's just spam, then please go away. I'm just going to delete you. If you're trying to actually say something intelligent, you know, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, let's go through the factors on the uh, Advanced Bonowitz Cult Danger Evaluation Frame, uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, and, and talk about them, especially as they apply to witchcraft and, and pagan and online communities. I mean, uh, especially with the pandemic lately, a lot of us are finding our community online. And in the U.S. it's very common because the continent is massive <laughs> and it's hard to find people. Uh, we're just so spread out. All right, so yeah. there are 18 uh, factors to evaluate. And uh, you evaluate them 1 through 10, low to high. And the thing is, when you're deciding if something is a cult, you don't need every single one of these on a 10. You need mm. a lot of them. This is to get you thinking about it. This is not a, a checkpoint system, and neither is Hassan's bite evaluation. You know, it's not 
you got to fulfill every criteria and then you can be like, oh, well, they missed one. They're not a cult. No, <laughs> you got to you got to think about it and evaluate it all. So make you stop and think. yeah, yeah. The first one is internal control. The amount of internal political and social power exercised by leaders over the members. Lack of clearly defined organizational rights for members. So, you know, does your leader tell you how to vote? How to think? What political parties to support? Um, are they telling you who you can and can't be friends with? You know? I think that one's a bit later, isn't it? The isolation, I think, yeah. Mm. Um, and this one, we tend to hang out with people uh, that we agree with politically, especially if mm. we're talking something as close as a coven. Usually everyone has very similar political ideas. Not always, but it might be something that attracted you to the work, especially in a tradition like reclaiming, who does political activism as part of their tradition. So, you know, um, but the lack of clearly defined organiz organizational rights for members. Mm, in casual, yeah, in casual mm. settings like covens, that may not come up. But it can also be that kind of feeling, even in casual settings, that leaders don't have to follow the rules, but members do. Mm. That, that hierarchy, <laughs> that split can be one of a warning sign not by itself okay it's also it's also that sort of um keeping you on a rope type of thing where you're trying to figure out what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do and the leader will say um i'll let you know and then you know you don't know what you're doing if you're doing it right if you're doing it wrong and then you know you get so terrified of making a single step that yeah you know yeah um, creates that fear. I, one example that comes to mind, there was a coven I knew about where the leaders basically decided who was going to have a relationship with who inside the coven mm. and paired people up and uh, told them these were their working partners. And the reasoning was like they had a vision. They, you know, intuited information kind of thing. And... Uh, they, then they encourage sexual relationships between all of those working partners. So that was definitely some uh, internal social control that was happening there that would raise a red flag. Mm. Okay, number two is external control. The amount of external political and social influence desired or obtained. Desired is important in there because um, it may not work. You know, it may just be something that is wanted, but is not actually happening. Uh, emphasis on directing members' external political and social behavior. So you're right. This is the who can you be friends with kind of stuff. Yeah. Who are you allowed to vote for? Yeah. Who are you allowed to talk to? Crazy shit. I think that one's clear. If anybody watching has any questions over any of these things or examples they want to share, please jump in mm. and, and share them with us. We want to talk about this in a very open way so that 
this information is available to everyone because in this case knowledge is power the power to protect yourself um number three is wisdom or knowledge claimed by the leaders the amount of infallibility uh, declared or implied about decisions or doctrinal or scriptural interpretations the number and degree of verified and or unverifiable credentials claimed this goes along with um, cult leaders usually have uh, self-aggrandizement on their thing and they can't be questioned you know like i was saying the the reasoning came from channeled information or a vision or intuition from god or goddess or something some higher power like that the problem is the the following kind of they get so tied into it that if the leader has this vision then it's like oh holy holy is thou and blah 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 mm -hmm. and they'll just lap it up like lap dogs and mobs have mob mentality uh, usually mm. when we talk about mob mentality we're talking about you know the spontaneous kind of stuff that happens in large groups of people but mob mentality also applies to uh, pedestaling leaders making them this infallible perfect thing and that feedback loop can result in the development of a cult uh, between a leader who accepts that and is like oh yeah i am infallible and round and round it goes in unhealthy spirals mm -hmm. um and four is just that the wisdom or knowledge credited to the leaders by members the amount of trust in decisions or doctrinal spiritual interpretations made by the leaders an amount of hostility by members towards internal or external critics and or towards verification efforts so you know uh, you come along, you're not part of a cult, you see this thing, you say, hey, we can verify that what they're saying is not true, and the member gets super hostile about it. That's yeah. that's a sign that it's probably uh, cult and not healthy. See, I mean, as we said, that you need to sort of, this is a stop and think, and if somebody comes along and they get a high score on this as i said this could come back to a business who has a good relationship with their customers and their customers if anybody says oh i don't like your don't like their product the customer stands there and goes they're brilliant that's fantastic and everything else so they stand up for the company itself which can fit perfectly into that well but at the end of the day can they be like you can have your opinion i can have mine or are they like mm. you're wrong and i'm right you know yeah yeah it's difficult but that's why you've got to go through. i think as you I need said, to go, go and, through all of these and, and yeah consider this consider it uh richard mm -hmm. says i've even seen with religious groups their isolation because you can't be associated with someone from another church because they don't get along even though it's the same religion yeah oh yeah that, that happens a lot here with yeah. the african churches and one or two of these things may be characteristics of a religious practice 
and it may not indicate a cult. Um, again, it's it's how intense it is, the degree, and how many there are. So it's all, it's not clear cut and dry, unfortunately. Mm. Okay, number five, dogma, rigidity of reality concepts taught, amount of doctrinal inflexibility or fundamentalism, hostility towards relativism and situationalism. There are a lot of isms mm. in there. Uh, but hopefully that's clear. So, you know, the rigidity of reality, that's a big thing. It can't be any other way. There can't be any consideration that it's another way or the acceptance that different people have different views. That's often a sign. Dogma, plain and simple. Really. Yeah, yeah. Fundamentalism, uh, most people in the U.S. are familiar with what fundamentalism is and how it manifests. Um, and hostility towards relativism or situationalism. Um, we see this sometimes, unfortunately, in the pagan community uh, with the debate about white and black magic, which, like, I hate that term anyways because of the racist undertones that go with it. Uh, but you know, most pagans, I would say, uh, the healthy-minded pagans, tend to understand that magic is situational, at least to a certain degree. We might disagree on the amount, uh, but there is, are some people that uh, it's very black and white. It's always this or always that, you know, and that that is something to watch out for, to pay attention to. Um, whether it's something you're starting to believe because your group, a uh, group you belong to, is continually saying this, or it's just one person you've encountered that is saying this. Okay, let's see. Number six, recruiting. Recruiting. Emphasis put on attracting new members, amount of proselytizing, requirement for all members to bring in new ones. That's a big, big flag. And what was, what was, sorry, what I found funny about this, I was reading that again earlier. Um, I used to belong to BNI, Business Networking International. And I'm reading through this and I'm thinking, damn it, they're a cult. Because <laughs> we had to go out and we had to recruit people. Yep, yep. And um, you had all your chapters that would fight against each other. Yeah. It was like, we're right, you're wrong, you know. On a lot of uh, MLMs, pyramid schemes, fit a lot of these things, mm. even though they don't have a religious component. You know, mm. um, this is one that doesn't come up as much in pagan circles as it does in Christian circles. Part mm. of a lot of modern Christian theology involves saving other people, bringing them into the fold. I mean, they proselytize quite regularly. They have mission trips. It, it's part of their culture. Paganism tends to differentiate itself on this point. We don't recruit, we don't proselytize, uh, that sort of thing. So that tends to be an easy one to spot in pagan circles because it's unusual in pagan circles. Uh, number seven, front groups. Number of subsidiary groups using different names from that of a main group, especially when the connections are hidden. Yeah, if you find out about the secret cabal network, 
<laughs> that's not a safe place to be probably too late um but this this is something that comes up online lots of people many of us are in a variety of social media places you know we're always talking about you can find me on instagram and i'm here and this is my discord and this is my TikTok, and this is on and on and on right well sometimes there are cult-like groups that don't tell you how many of those faces actually belong to them they're not unifying and saying i'm this one person in all these places they're using that disconnect to layer up a whole bunch of identities as to kind of prove that oh all these people think this so it's okay mm. when that's not the situation mm. try and reinforce their, their own teaching yeah yeah mm. or or they have other reasons for um having front groups having that sort of thing and of course you know the thing that comes up that's probably okay that we think about are covens that have outer courts they have a public facing side and then they have an inner court for members of their coven where they probably discuss different information whatever you know um that's not a large number of front groups and and in this case we consider the number of them just a public facing mm -hmm. side and a private side eh. um but like 10 front groups and descending onion layers of, of inner uh, access that's that's on the the more abusive culty side mm. it doesn't i don't think it just goes down to um, a variety of groups it can also be a person with multiple identities mm. yeah sock puppets yeah i mean i mean we have we have people who do have multiple identities um who you know that they're, they're, they're not trying to hide it um, right. and there may be writers who have different pen names or different things like s connelly has uh, four different pen names because she writes in, under four different uh, genres right um but you know she's not trying to hide them yeah she's very but, open about that that's what's going mm. on she's all these people and she yeah. writes in different genres that's why she has these different pen names yeah. you know but you do get people who create all these different identities um it's almost like um getting reviews and they're all false reviews mm. because yeah. it's all the same person writing them under different names to try and boost rankings yep and this is one mm. of those things you may not know early on, especially mm. if they are purposely trying to keep those identities or those groups separate and not show that they're all the same group or person. You know, it may take some time to find that out. Mm. Um, oh, Richard said, I was just thinking the same about pyramid schemes when we were discussing MLMs. Mm. Yeah. 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 Okay, number eight, wealth. The amount of money and or property desired or obtained by the group, the emphasis on members' donations, especially monetary donations, economic lifestyle of leaders compared to order, ordinary members. Um, and, you know, this is, this is where the, the leaders uh, 
you know, fly personal jets and have big mansions and the members have taken a vow of poverty. That's the extreme example that we spot and go, ha, that's a cult. But um, if the whole thing is, you know, uh, just think these positive things and you can have a Ferrari in your driveway. <laughs> There's some other, that's enough of a red flag that you ought to look into it, right? You ought to consider the other things. Is the emphasis on getting property and money? Um, are they showing that people have successfully done that as a way to recruit you into the group? You know, are they uh, emphasizing that the uh, success of the leaders is somehow connected to the spirituality or the work or something like that? Those are all things to consider. In fact, this comes very much back to pyramid schemes again. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like the Herbalife thing and, and those MLMs where you buy the package and you do the work and you then go up to the next level. The people at the top, the people who started the whole thing, they're rich, they're rake, raking in the money and they keep saying you will get there, but you never do. Right, right. You know, you will stay at the bottom. So it's this promise of wealth, but never comes. Number nine, sexual ma manipulation. Blech. Let me try that again. Sexual manipulation of members by leaders of non-tantric groups. Amount of control exercised over sexuality of members in terms of sexual orientation, behavior, and or choice of partners. Pretty much any group that tells you who you can love is full shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but beyond that, sexual manipulation is so common in cults. Um, it is mm. the lurid thing that gets them on reality TV shows. Uh, you know, uh, whether that's vows of celibacy in strange ways or arranged marriages, arranged mating, I've seen in cults. This is, this is a big red flag, and unfortunately it pops up in pagan communities. Uh, because we tend to have a more liberal view of sex. And so, um, I don't know how many terrible, terrible stories I've heard of uh, people being like, oh, to get your third degree, you have to have sex with the leader. I was told I have to have sex with the high priestess to fly to the U.S. to uh, be initiated into first degree. Yeah, I've, I've heard stuff like that. Once upon a time, yeah. This is, this is a big red flag, uh, what you were talking about, where there was one male leader and he had only recruited women. Mm. You know, that's usually a big red flag if there is a uh, not a good mix of people represented. Um, now, there are... Um, groups that are isolated by gender for exploring those mysteries and if there's sexual exploitation in there then that's bad but just being isolated by gender in order to explore those mysteries is not necessarily a red flag especially mm. you know often groups like that are um one of many practices or groups or communities that the people in them belong to People are also part of a men's group, also part of a women's group, also part of a trans group, in addition to other things. And, you know, the restriction of who you can be with and that sort of thing isn't happening. So mm. 
think about all the factors. I do like that they, I mean, that they actually said in of non-tantric groups, because I mean, you, you do get some groups that do pra practice tantra and sacred, sacred sexuality. And, you know, at some stage they might want to explore that. They might not want to, but it's, I think it's a case of if you are forced to do it. Yeah. Being forced to do it and having a group that consciously decides that this is what they want to do and everybody's communicating and everybody's, mm. you know, into the right thing and the other factors are not there, that may be something mm. that people want to explore in a safe group environment. So, um, if that trust is there, then it's a different story. Yeah. And mm. again, the whole list, we're looking for multiple red flags. One thing here and there uh, might not mean it's a cult, might just be a different practice. Mm. Um, assuming they're not dangerous uh, manifestations of those things, like abuse or exploitation or no choice or that sort of thing. Uh, sexual favoritism is number 10. Advancement or preferential treatment dependent upon sexual activity with the leaders of non-tantric groups. Yeah. You got to sleep your way to the top or in. That's that's a big red flag. That can't be. Yeah. Eleven censorship amount of control over member members access to outside opinions on the group, its doctrines or leaders. If you can't go read a book, mm, that's a big will, red flag. It will make you question the yeah. leader's dogma. Yeah. Mm. 12. Isolation. Amount of effort to keep members from communicating with non-members, including family, friends, and lovers. This one mm. I think we're all very familiar with. It was the first one that Yolande brought up. You know, isolation is a very common technique for abuse. Whether mm. it's, it's a group or a single person, it's bad. Mm -hmm. Creates Stockholm Syndrome as well. Mm -hmm. 13. Dropout control. The intensity of efforts directed at preventing or returning dropouts. One big danger sign of any group is when they say, you can't leave. Mm. You can't change your mind. You can't decide you don't want to be part of this group. That is not okay in so many ways. So many ways. And I'll bring up the classic witch's measure, because this is something that comes up in pagan circles. Uh, in some traditions, uh, at least that we read in books, the witch is measured at initiation, and that string then becomes like a poppet. It is a tag lock, a method for um, performing magic on the person when they're not there. And in some traditions, the initiate hands that over to their initiator as a sign of trust. Now, the rumor is that this is then used to keep the person there. They can't leave. I have your measure. I can do bad magic on you. Mm. And a healthy group won't do that. In fact, the groups I do know where the initiator keeps the measure, uh, most of them, it's for a short period of time after the initiation in order to put protection around the person. And when they've learned enough magic to protect themselves and deal with the fact that they're suddenly a lit up beacon on the astral, 
the initiator gives them their measure back and says, here, you can do whatever you want with this. Um, you know, you can put it in a puppet and give it money, whatever you think you need to do. It's, it's more of a protection thing. The other thing I've heard um, and not experienced is groups where the initiator keeps the measure. When the person leaves, they get their measure back. That's just the deal. You say you want out, you get all your stuff back. You get your measure back. Um, so, you know, they're just the taking of a measure does not mean it's a cult. And it's a dangerous practice. It's what they do with it. It's how they approach it. Um, I've definitely heard of, of many initiatory traditions where they take the measure at initiation and help the initiate to make this powerful talisman of themselves. And then part of the initiation is explaining, this is how this works. This is something you need to protect. This is for you. This is your cord of sovereignty. This is, you know, the cord that you will base your magic on. We made this thing together and now here you go. You can learn how to do stuff working on yourself. Well, I think that's similar to that guy I was talking about here who was um, closing off all the, all the chakras and uh, the new initiates. So as far as I know or remember, some groups do that. They actually close, close off the chakras, but they open them slowly to allow knowledge um, and stuff to actually come in slowly instead of it just all bombarding the person. Yeah. So they, they open them one by one slowly as the person can is able to handle it um, so that they don't like go completely in, off the grid and insane. Yeah. But uh, when it gets to that control of I have control over your entire being because I've shut them off and I'm controlling you through dreams and whatnot, that's a bit of a different story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it's about consent. It's about being informed. It's mm. about choosing. Now, now, we can choose to do stupid stuff that puts us in danger, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a cult. Well, mm. Sometimes it does. Uh, Richard said Jehovah's Witnesses have the same with members leaving. Even their family have to break all contact with a deserter. Yeah. Weren't we saying something the other day about Mormons, they actually have to go to court? Yeah, they have to get a lawyer to get out of the Mormon church, from what mm. I understand. Because I've had several people contact me um, in paganism, and one of the things they tell me is, I recently left the Mormon church, I had to get a lawyer, but I'm finally free of that. So, mm. I don't know how that works, because I'm not Mormon. Yeah. All right, uh, let's see, 14, violence. The amount of approval when used by or for the group or its doctrines or leaders. If they advocate violence, if they say it's okay when it's for the group, that's a big, scary flag. Mm. 15, paranoia. The amount of fear concerning real or imagined enemies. Exaggeration of perceived power of opponents prevalence of conspiracy theories. This is a big one. Um, groups that think that they're in some kind of cosmic religious war, um, mm. you know, yeah. uh, that are always fighting the demons or the angels or whatever um, thing, and conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories take root where 
education is not cultivated. No, we'll talk about coating just now. <laughs> yeah, and and <laughs> that hyping up, I have watched this happen in a variety of pagan contexts because it starts with often the people that are finding paganism are somehow marginalized. Very, mm. very many people are leaving abusive situations. They are leaving the Christian church that did not accept them for who they were, all sorts of things like that. And that battle idea, that us versus them, that um, power of opponents, instead of being dealt with for what it is and what is happening and that abuse struggle, it turns into this secret magical struggle that only they know about because they're getting dreams or they're getting downloads or whatever, which is probably just them working through the trauma because all of us are, are walking wounded in some way, you know, mm. and then that gets interpreted as magical um, or por portents or omens. And it just kind of ramps and spirals and builds on itself. Uh, and that can happen in isolation, just one person by themselves, or it can happen in groups where many people come together and begin having this collective experience because they are trauma bonding, basically. Mm. So that is that is something to watch out for, to deal with. Um, and it did say the fear concerning real or imagined enemies. I'm not saying all the enemies are imagined. You can't um, light a candle and meditate your way out of racism. <laughs> you know, there are there are oppressive forces in the world. There are bad experiences that people have, um, and some of them are ongoing and cannot be shut down. The paranoia happens when it becomes uh, a controlling factor. When mm -hmm. the fear becomes a controlling factor, and especially when it spirals off into unhealthy uh dealings unhealthy narratives yeah. okay uh 16 Gosh. grimness the amount of disapproval concerning uh sorry no i'll scroll past it sorry. Oh. uh the amount <laughs> of disapproval concerning jokes about the group its doctrines or its leaders if you can't poke fun at the power above you, it's not a good place to be. Mm. Uh, well, that's a bit of a, you know, there are a lot of people who don't like to be uh, poked at in a joking fashion. Well. You know, make fun of me and you offend me type of thing. I'm not poke fun at me and what you want to. I don't really give a shit. I do it all the time. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there who just can't handle it. Well, I think offense is different than poking. Offense is when you are using humor to continue oppression and reinforcing mm. the power structure of marginalization. We say it's punching down. It's the cheap jokes. Mm. Poking fun at something, humor, is punching up. It's uh, making fun of a power structure, hierarchy, that is above where you are. And especially in cults, egos are the ones 
driving all of this. It's the ego of, you know, always right, unquestionable. Egos are fragile. You cannot poke sticks up at egos. They shatter. And so that, um, you can't joke about the group, you can't joke about the doctrine, you can't joke about the leaders, is a clear sign that it is the ego running that. It is the ego saying that this is this is above reproach, this is untouchable, no humor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And humor is one of the ways we regularly use to examine power structures in our social systems as humans. You know, um, you can pay attention and know what the cheap jokes are. You know, what's punching down, what is people making fun of things below them, especially things they will never have to experience. Mm. And what is punching up, what is um, making fun of the power structures of, of the um, often hypocrisy and ridiculousness that's happening above, especially when it's pointing out things like the rules apply to these people, but not to these people because they're special. You know, that's that's a clear sign of this grimness. You can't joke about the special people, you know, because it's of very special. because of this hierarchy, because of this structure of power. Mm. Yeah, like most companies, really. Uh, mother of many says, hi, uh, Hello. like you can't joke about Scientology. They have their members target people who publicly joke about them. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, you can't, yeah. Make, which doesn't work very well. I know a lot of jokes about Scientology. <laughs> uh, let's see. Blade says, I was raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses. Both sides of my family left in 2007 and haven't looked back. Yeah. You know, a lot of people who've had to lose their families because of the Jehovah's Witnesses, which is really sad. Mm. Okay. Seven. No. Oh. No, carry on. 17. Surrender of will. The amount of emphasis on members not having to be responsible for personal decisions. Degree of individual disempowerment created by the group, its doctrines, or its leaders. So, uh, here's Handing a, your will over to the leaders. Yeah. Handing your will over to the leaders. Handing your personal responsibility over to the leaders. Well, I don't mm. have to worry about all these decisions I'm making that are probably terrible because there's this little conscience in the back of my head saying, don't do this stuff. Because it's yeah. a leader's problem. Mm. That is an excuse it gets gets things through the door sometimes so it's important to pay attention to that and again i'll bring up um something that happens in pagan circles as we were talking about with the initiation and the uh measure there are some traditions that have something like a training bubble for mm. new witches and it's not loss of personal responsibility it's more like the mentor um, protects them and puts a little extra magic around them uh, so that when they do the inevitable stupid stuff that we all do when learning magic, we have to experiment, we have to try, that the effects are not so bad. They're not life-ruining bad. Um, and that is a common thing I see in 
in pagan circles, especially initiatory circles that teach magic traditions. Uh, but it's not, you're still responsible for your personal decisions. It definitely doesn't happen in all aspects of your life. You know, it, it's just kind of a safety net for a while while you're learning. But you could interpret that to fall under this category in some ways also. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Syed says hello. Hello, hello Syed. Okay. Um, Last sorry, one. On. Oh. Asia. Asia says, hi, guys. What do you think about cursing current or ex-members of a group? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, how about we finish up this list, we take our break, yeah, and when we come back, go, we'll, we'll start with that. Yeah. Okay. Number 18 is hypocrisy. The amount of approval for actions which the group officially considers immoral or unethical. When done by or for the group, its doctrines or leaders. Willingness to violate the group's declared principles for political, psychological, social, economic, military, or other gain. So if they say this is not okay, but one of the inner circle did it, and they're like, eh, that's not cool. Mm. Not in the least. And this is the, the special rules for the leaders, the special rules for the higher-ups kind of thing. Um, or uh, the internal, external, those people out there can't do this. We think it's wrong. But because we're in this group, we can do it because of whatever weird reasons that's a red mm. flag too yeah. all right uh we're gonna take a quick break get some hot chocolate go and grab yourself some hot chocolate we'll come back to asia's question and yeah. uh we'll have a look at a couple of interesting examples i think yep yeah. be back in a few all right be back just now Welcome back to the Black Hat Chat, and today we are talking about identifying cults and all culty stuff. Um, now, Asia asked, what do you think about cursing current or ex-members of a group? Well, I don't think it should be done, personally, at all, but it does happen. It does happen. Um, it's situational ethics, so... Generally speaking, I'm all for cursing abusers. Mm. You know, uh, they did the abuse, they caused harm, return that harm. Um, it is healing, uh, whether you believe in curses or not, it is often part of the process for people recovering from abuse, uh, recovering from PTSD, that sort of thing. The thing is, when we get into cults, uh, one thing that comes up very often is responsibility and brainwashing. Did these people who were causing the harm realize that's what they were doing? Were they themselves in an abusive cycle and therefore um, should not be held responsible? I mean, that can be said for one-on-one -on -one abuse. We know that childhood abuse tends to produce abusers as adults that then carry on that cycle. So there's a lot of questions there, a lot of questions there about where that falls and what is going on 
and what you want to do with your energy. You know, um, I can't say that there's there's an answer across the board. Really, as you say, though, this this situation. I mean, if somebody if somebody is in a group and they are being abusive and they get kicked out and they continue to be abusive, then you know, cursing them is is something you might want to consider. But I think, you know, in some cases. I think we mentioned earlier, you know, you've, you've, you've got this group, somebody decides they want to leave and they are told they're not allowed to leave. If they do, they will be cursed. Um, you know, it gets to that point as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it depends on what kind of cursing. I mean, some people think, you know, binding someone is cursing. You may bind one mm -hmm. someone from harming someone else or bind one, someone from harming themselves of course if you do that you're going to tie yourself into that which may be appropriate may not there's a lot of things to consider in every situation um mm. i hesitate when it comes to cults because of that brainwashing factor because of that people really are going along thinking they're doing the right thing they have good intentions they're not trying to purposely be harmful they're not out there spreading evil you know they're just they're trying to do the best with what they have and they're in a bad situation they're being exploited and some people might go well you know all the way up to the leaders they're the ones doing the exploiting and in some situations yeah and in some situations maybe not Maybe the leaders mm. are, are exploited also. It's hard to tell. It's really hard to tell. And then we have situations like with Jehovah's Witnesses, um, with the Mormon Church also, I believe, where families are involved. You know? And there's all sorts of other ties and relationships and uh, levels of power and structure, social power. Uh, to consider. So there's a lot going on. Um, I do think that a, a good cathartic circle can often be very helpful, even if that doesn't result in necessarily directing all of that energy back to uh, members, ex-members of a culty group. Just getting that gunk out uh, for someone that has been part of a group. You know, and then again, is it a curse to do a spell on a group to make them fall apart? Maybe you might consider that a curse, but if it's a cult that's harming people, you might consider that a blessing. Yeah. So, you know, um, it depends. Like every other kind of magic, it depends. But it's something to, whenever you're going to do magic like that, whenever you're going to do any magic, uh, especially that involves other people, you really got to sit down and, and examine things and figure out, you know, what, what are the many, many outcomes that could happen from doing this? What really is the best course that I want to take, the considered course that I want to take? How do I want to participate in this uh, bit of unfoldment, you know? Uh, Am I, am I hurt and angry and need to lash out at something? Because that's a thing. Mm. You know? 
Can I do that in a way that doesn't cause further harm? Can I do that in a way and direct all this energy to actually help other people? You know, there's a lot of things to consider. And what some people say is a curse, other people say is a blessing or a binding or, you know, maybe we should do a show on yeah. cursing sometime. Mm. Cursing and, and doing magic on other people. Because some people think that just if you do magic that targets another person, specifically picked out uh, John, Witch Bob, Joe, and you're going to do magic on him, that's automatically a curse because you are targeting another person and interfering with them. So mm. I don't think that. Lots of questions there, but, you know, ethics and morals are, are situational in witchcraft, I believe. As, as we just found in our, our cult um, diagnostic, <laughs> antagonism to situational ethics is the sign of a cult. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yolandi said, I was raised in the Dutch Reformed Church. And in our final year of catechism, you are taught why they are right and other faiths are wrong. But, I mean, you, you find this a lot in Christianity as well. Yeah. You know, that's one of the parts of the, the Christian worldview. There is one yeah. right way, and everything else is wrong. But even amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. This is the problem here. I mean, I, I know the Dutch Reformed Church, it's like <laughs> serious, 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 serious shit, that is. Um, but I mean, even if you go to like, I remember I was in the Methodist Church, you know, the Baptists were always wrong. Well, this one was always wrong. Well, that one was always wrong. But we got it right. Everyone else is wrong. Yeah. And we see that in paganism. We mm. absolutely see that in paganism. I think that it comes from being raised in a Christian worldview and carrying that right through unexamined into the practice of paganism, no matter mm. what it is, you know, witchcraft, heathenry, uh, earth worshiping, druidry, whatever it is. Uh, but there are probably people that just think that way internally. Um, somebody had to start it somewhere. I'm right and you're wrong. Um, but I tend to think that's rooted again in ego. Uh, we talk a lot about in early witchcraft, you know, as you develop powers, I hate that term, um, with greater power comes greater responsibility. And you have mm -hmm. to be super, super careful that you're not being led around by your ego. That you are not making these choices based in some idea of unique specialness of you know all all of those dangerous ego traps and mm. so we have to do that for ourselves we have to do that in groups we have to be constantly watchful for that constantly well, richard said yes please do a chat on cursing there are so many misconceptions on it these days yeah, I'll do that. Didn't we do something similar? I remember we'll have to look yeah. back and do it again. Yeah, we can always we can always go back over things. It's important to yeah, go back over things. We can definitely do that one. And Asia, Asia said, uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts. It's a pleasure. We talked about fate and free will, but we didn't do mm. a specific one on cursing. No, okay, we'll do one on cursing. Well, put it on the list. It's on the list. The long list. Yep. All right. Now, 
Um, we actually decided to do this show a few weeks back um, after I joined a Facebook group and uh, was kind of taken aback. Um, it's the Order of Dark Arts. And what I was noticing was, I mean, apart from the fact that their products are insanely priced. Um, now, just a disclaimer, I have not used any of their products because I cannot afford them. $75 for a small bottle of oil that I make for 10 Rand. Um, just, I can't afford those products, so I haven't, I've never used them. Uh, so I cannot vouch for that. People who have used them or keep carrying on about how they are, they work 100%. Okay, just a disclaimer. What I did notice was that on the group, it's all about promoting their products and pushing their courses and their books. Um, one thing that came up right at the beginning was that they have their way of doing things. They sell a book, which is also insanely priced. Um, and this is their system of magic. They told people in the chat on this group to reject everything they have learned about witchcraft and demonolatry and Luciferianism and every, every faith and tradition and path you can think of, reject all of it and do only their system because it works better than anybody else's. Okay, that was red flag number one. Then the next one was that the leader of this uh, group, Professor Ashley Ortori, whenever she comes on, everybody kind of drops to their knees. And it is devotional and it is worship. You know, somebody asks a question, you get a comment, 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 and then all of a sudden she comes on and makes a comment. And it just gets flooded with, oh, you are beautiful, oh, you are amazing, oh, you are this and you are that. And, you know, so you get, I would say this is a cult. And you get them on the internet. They don't need to be these brick and mortar compounds and things like that. Yeah, they absolutely happen on the internet. They happen in Facebook groups. They happen in Discord servers. They happen on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, this stuff is all sorts of places, all sorts of places. Yeah. In fact, I was reading something, um, see if I can get it up again. It was actually somebody talking about this. It was a seventh witch house in order of dark arts cult camp. In 2017, they belonged to the group and apparently what they're doing is they're targeting women and mothers. Um, who have been abused. Yeah, uh, a lot of people reported being separated from loved ones, losing a lot of money, depression, illnesses, and suicidal thoughts. Cult leader had another profile name, Alex Wheat, and she and her roommate would tell members that it was a demon portal and they could chat with Lucifer, demons, and various gods. It was LARPing on a whole other level. Um, and what this person says, I don't know how, as I say, disclaimer, I haven't used the products, don't know how true this is, but apparently what they were doing is they're selling the oils 
and they've attached lesser uh, demons, astral parasites to these products that they're selling and sending to people. So, uh, yeah, just, Absolutely you know, got to be aware and just look out and just stand back and go, okay, what's going on here? Before you get, because I've, I've seen it, lo person after person on this group is just like, they literally just, they flock. Well, and, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons that it can be difficult to identify being a member of a cult, because you're surrounded by people who are doing the behaviors. And so and we're humans. When we doubt something ourselves, the first thing we do is look to others and see what they think. Mm. You know, and that's, that's healthy. That's a good behavior, you know, to look to other people and see what do other people think? I mean, that's how we get peer reviewed science, you know, but if the only people you can look to and the only people you're surrounded with are doing this leader worship behavior or, or whatever it is that we talked about, you know, in that evaluation, that's the feedback you're going to get. And it's very easy to fall into that trap, to fall into that cult. So, you know, it, it's hard to see. It's, there is no shame in getting caught up in a cult, really. That is one yeah. thing we really need to remove because some people will not come forward because they think they're going to be judged as dumb or stupid or or unobservant or whatever for getting caught up in this. And mm. we need to remove that. Anybody can get caught up in this stuff. Cults yeah, happen because they slip through many of our other filters. Mm. They fly under our radar of of being aware of these things of examining these problems and and one of the reasons that happens is because of the process of the group because mm. of the feedback of the group well if everybody's doing it it's probably okay well if my parents raised me this way it's probably okay you know yeah um blade said i've thought about cursing the governing body of the jw's but as as of now i'm putting my energy in helping those in need get out yeah 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 i think it's better to do that i mean to try and take on the entire jw is quite a big task and um i i have been in uh, many group therapy sessions where such things were discussed by many people so it's not not unusual not at all mm -hmm. to be in that space and Josh threw up what looks to be an octopus. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> it's a octopus. pink octopus. We're old. We don't yes. speak emoji. I think <laughs> it might be Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's, that's, you know, talking about Cthulhu and the Necronomicon and you know, Lovecraft creating all of those egregores in the system. I mean, that system works for people. They've, they've put it into practice and it works because it's created egregores. Um, and I was, I was talking about to you the other day about it um, with Coetting. Mm. Um, <clears throat> he created the 18 Flames. I think there were two books that he wrote, but it was years back under a different name. 
and I've forgotten the name now. Um, Arch Archcellus Baron or something. Oh yeah. Um, but he's he's now he he then changed changed the author's name to E.A. Coetting, and he's now publishing it as as himself, which is still not his name. Um, but that was a story about he. It was a fiction. Uh, the whole thing was a fiction story about a 12-year-old or a boy who gets adopted into a magical family and at the age of 12 he gets initiated into this order and he has to go through the 18 flames initiations and he gets to, he's going to be initiated into the 17th flame, I think it was, and three strange men come in and sit down with him and they give him three portions of a grimoire that he has to then go away and translate because this is his his life purpose. And then the book's the one book is the grimoire that he's translated and the, the angels and the demons and everything that you can encounter and everything else. Um, but on on the uh, Becoming a Living God uh, forum, people are talking about these entities as if they are real, as if they are, you know, they, they come from history like uh, Balfagor and Baal and Astaroth um, and all the gods and goddesses. Um, but they are pure fiction. They have become. They have now become egregores, and people are using them, and they are effective. Um, so that's you know that gets quite interesting. And when we talk about Bulg becoming a living god and coetting, I mean, again, can we say it's a cult or is it not? I mean, there's there's this guy who's not completely honest. He's created two backstories about himself which are complete fiction um he makes a lot of claims that he is basically you know it and nobody can question him and he is raising the armies of hell to fight this war that's happening which again falls into the imaginary uh, enemies mm -hmm. yeah but you know i don't know so there's a couple things here. Um, I would uh, definitely say that's culty behavior because of the war and imaginary enemies and the paranoia and fear around it, and especially the can't question the leader bit. Mm. The um, writing under another name, wrote um, a fiction story kind of thing. That's one of those that really depends on how it's presented. There is total value in engaging your identity in these fictional quest stories. You know, it's how we experience mythology. It's how we understand a lot of things like the hero's journey and that sort of thing. And even in crafting a fiction story that can tell of a mythic initiation and that sort of thing. But the, the deal is presenting it for what it is. You know, um... There is a difference between saying, this is a great story, I found a lot in it, and it was very personal for me, you know, I made myself the main character or whatever it is, and saying, this really happened, and because of that I'm super special. You know, that's mm -hmm. not a reasonable response. And we tend to think that things that have stood the test of time have passed through enough examinations that they're no longer dangerous that's not necessarily true and things that are brand new 
have not stood the test of time and therefore they are dangerous. That corollary isn't necessarily true either. People, um, you know, come up with stories all the time, have experiences all the time, that sort of thing. Uh, but everything was invented, discovered at some point. Just because that's recent doesn't mean it's bad. And just because it's old doesn't mean it's good. No. Um, I just said if someone had been in a cult or several of them, because I've seen tons of these in spiritual magical groups, <coughs> how one can find a legit support group or coven, it can be hard to know who to trust. That's true. It absolutely is difficult to know who to trust. And unfortunately, yeah. the method is get to know people and evaluate it. You know, it watch for these red flags. Take both of these evaluation frameworks and, and check and see how it goes. Is it cults tend to have one charismatic person at the top that is unquestionable, you know, that is is driving this? If that's the situation, it's probably not that great of an idea. Cults of personality mm -hmm. absolutely happen, especially online. Especially online. I mean, we call them followers, subscribers, right? Follow my page, uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. I mean, just the language we use has that kind of tone to it. You know, mm -hmm. as content creators, as people who are doing a show like this, we want you to like and watch our stuff, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, we're not saying you can only follow me. You must behave like this. You must think like this. You cannot question. Those are the things to really watch out for. And th there is no Twitter verified check mark for people who aren't full of shit online. There's just, you just have to go through it. You have to check it. And when you've been in a cult, you're going to have effects from that. You might be hypersensitive to certain behaviors that uh, you recognized in a cult and have caused you harm and you might feel like you see them everywhere and and doubt your ability to question that's part of being abused is losing the trust in your own judgment uh, you might become numb to some things and not see them because of uh, damage done by being in a cult it's very hard to know I highly suggest that you talk about it openly. You know, mm. um, don't make every conversation about cults, but you will find people to talk about it with. And, you know, e examine, evaluate, try to sit back and evaluate things in different times, in different states. Uh, we used to say, you know, without emotion or rationally and i don't i don't think humans ever exist without emotion but we can look at things in different emotional states and get a more complete picture um mm -hmm. we can look at things when we're angry and when we're sad and when we're happy and when we're numb and when we're engaged and it's just it's a lot of evaluation um and i don't remember what book it was but early on in my witchcraft career i read some book that was about you know how to join a coven. It wasn't Amber Kay's Big Coven Craft. It might have even been called How to Join a Coven. 
And one of the things they said to do as a journal exercise, and do it repeatedly, is to write down things that are wants, needs, and uh, not allowed that for a group. Things I want, things that would be really nice, but if they're not there, I understand. But I'd like, like, you know, 5 out of 10 or something. Needs, things that absolutely have to be in place in this group or I can't participate. Like having a voice, being able to question the leaders, uh, being able to maintain my friends and family and all of that contact. And then the I'm out list, things that are, if I see this behavior, that's it, I'm out. I'm not doing it. You know, uh, they might be like uh, <coughs> sexual coercion. If somebody says you got to sleep with the high priest in order to get third degree. Nope. Out. And the reason for doing this and doing it multiple times is so that you have time to think about these things and evaluate them when you're not in the midst of a group. Because these cult behaviors sweep people up. The peers the group mentality sweeps you up, and you may not be considering these things at the time. Uh, you may not be aware of them. You may not be in a frame of mind where you can even see that they're happening. So, you know, consider, evaluate, give yourself some distance, give yourself some space. And don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Uh, you cannot rely on all of your magical training and your emotional support and everything from just one small group. You know, you need to read widely. You need to have circles of friends. You need to have family. You need to have groups and covens and kindreds and, and that sort of thing. That doesn't mean go out and join like five different covens. Um, it means, you know, not everything in your life should revolve around one small group of people or one leader that sort of thing. You need lots of different social groups. You need lots of different environments to be in. Uh, one thing that has come up many times uh, as I've been part of Covens in the introductory period is, you know, they will say things like, we'd really like you to study just this tradition for this period of time, which I think is reasonable. Um, so you can actually learn it. But they emphasize, do not let go of your non-witchy friends. Mm. Do not break contact with your family. Uh, you know, as long as it's a safe environment, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, because you're going to be focusing heavily on learning this new tradition. You really need to make sure that you're maintaining all of these other social groups so you don't get sucked in and, and end up in a paranoia spiral or something like that. Stuff happens. Stuff really does happen, and you need those other support networks. And it's, it's so important. You need non-magical friends. If you are looking for a group, we do have the Wildwood Temple, if you haven't joined yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we, we maintain a safe space for people so they can talk about whatever they need to talk about. Mm -hmm. And uh, we love our members, so if anybody comes in and raises hell, we'll raise hell back, so. Very true. Mm. Um, I was going to say something just now. Oh, I, d I was watching a, a, a video a while back 
it was about coetting and uh, it was an interview with somebody else and this woman did such research into coetting which was kind of scary and I cannot find the darn thing now oh yeah, I has lost it it's not in my history for some reason maybe it got taken down who knows um yeah no some of the things she found which is available all over the internet so it wasn't made up uh was quite quite disturbing sure and i think right. online everyone has their detractors and their fans just because someone mm. has detractors doesn't necessarily mean they're doing culty things uh but listen to both sides you know listen mm. to both sides um and, and examine things print out both of these uh, evaluation frameworks and and go through it and go through it repeatedly this isn't so important it's not a one and done thing because cults develop over time and uh, you know like i was talking about with my coven we did this once a month uh, just as part of our our thing uh, we're not going to go through the whole bite model because it's long and we already went through Bonowitz's model, uh, but check it out and read through it and consider things. And again, it's, um, it's not an all or nothing checklist. It's not a, oh, they have one and therefore out. It's a cult. You know, it's, it's things to consider and, and degrees to consider and that sort of thing. Yeah. And also, I mean, if you are um, a leader or an influencer of some kind, you know, <coughs> keep checking yourself every, every now and again. If you are part of a group or a coven or something like that, and you notice that your leader is starting to portray some kind of egotistical behavior, mm -hmm. raise it. Tell yeah. them. If they yeah. don't like it, get out. You know, um, because we, we, we are human. And, you know, every, I have to do it myself. I have to keep checking myself just to make sure I'm not, yeah. you know, becoming somebody I don't want to be. Nobody's perfect. You can get swept up in it so easily. No one is immune to the egotistical head trip. No one is immune mm. to being a member of a cult. You know, we have to check frequently. We have to check ourselves. Um, and... You know, it is hard to hear in the middle of an ego trip to have one of your friends come to you and be like, you're being an asshole. <laughs> you need to get mm -hmm. off your high horse and quit doing this, this, and this. Sure, it's hard to hear. Cultivate that. Cultivate being able to hear that. Uh, practice being able to hear those sorts of things because they are so important that you hear them when someone is willing to say it before they're just like, you're not worth it. I'm not safe. Bye. Mm. Um, yeah, Roop, just asked, can you remember who it was who had done the video exposing stuff about coetting? I, I cannot remember who it was. If I'm we looking through my history again. If we can't find it before the show is over, we'll post it um, in the Wildwood Temple mm. on Discord. Got lots of naked yoga in my history here, but 
<laughs> so the BITE model stands for behavioral information, thought, and emotional control. The four areas. And I think the key word in, in all of that is control. Cults exert control over people. They control how people behave. They control what information they can have access to. They control how they think and they control their emotions. And the emotional control component in the bite model, I think is very important because that's usually how we get drawn in. That's how we get attached. That's how we make these bonds and think that this stuff is okay. Because sitting here, reading it intellectually, going through these things, I'm sure most of us are like, ew, 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 who would do that? That's terrible. But that's not the same thing that's happening when we're in the midst of it. When mm. we're, when we have emotions, when we have bonds with people, that sort of thing. Yeah, sorry, I'm looking for this video. I remember what I actually searched for. I know the guy whose channel it was was a chaos magician. That's not really going to help, is it? <laughs> we'll look for it and find it. I mean, the biggest thing was that, I mean, it's, in, it's been in the news since last year, um, that this kid in the UK... Uh, mm. Committed murders, two murders, killed two women. Um, and it came out that in one of Coetting's books, he speaks about human sacrifice and how to actually do it. There's a big red flag. Mm. I think that's the violence um, part of things. Yeah. I mean, right at the end of the, the chapter, it, it, he does try and sort of... I mean, he goes through the whole chapter saying, this is how you actually murder the person. This is how you, you position the knife. This is how you do this, and this is how you do that, you know, in the temple. Good God. To, give, to do the blood magic, to give the blood sacrifice of the victim. And then right at the end says, well, we'll probably find that not all magicians do this. Um, but, you know, it's kind of trying to deflect, but... Nope, nope. It's a bit late nope, after that. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> nope. That is the giant pile of red flags that there are so many red flags they have started decomposing and spontaneously combusted <laughs> into a giant bonfire. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Uh, Roop, are you on our Wildwood Temple Discord or Facebook server? Just let me know. I will find the video, and what I can do is I can post the link on there uh, if you're interested. Because it might take me a while to find it. Uh, Richard said, I remember you talking about this in one of your chats. can't remember the name now. You said you got jail time. Oh yeah, no, that was the um, the guy who committed the murders. 
thought Coetting was in jail that? for something. Uh, I don't know if... Oh, wait. It was uh, Daniel Hussein. Oh. Um, he made a pact with Beelzebub, if I remember correctly. He wanted to win the lottery, and Beelzebub apparently told him that he has to sacrifice one woman a month for six months. Mm. Yeah. No. No, giant red flags. Um, you know, mm. one of the ways we test the spirits, because we talk about testing the spirits all the time, especially when we're talking to spirits and gods and ancestors and that sort of thing. If they're telling you to do things that cause harm that ain't mm. good go see a psychiatrist go see a psychologist stop listening mm. to them that is not not normal or safe or healthy none of no. them i mean I've, I've spoken about it on my channel um specifically concerning demonology and demons and commonly speaks about it a lot if um a spirit of any kind demon God, goddess, angel, whatever, telling you to harm yourself, harm other people, commit a crime, or anything like that, it's not that spirit. It's yep. some astral parasite. Some, I actually like um, the term used on uh, Satan and Sons. They call them sludge, mm. <laughs> which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Rube said not on Discord, Facebook. Yeah. Um, just have a look in the description. There's a, a link tree um, for at chat you'll find the facebook group link in there and when i find it i'll, we'll I'll make figure sure it out. put it put it on uh, Discord and facebook yeah asia said uh, i think correcting was in jail for drugs now mm. yeah he's been in jail a couple of times um in the past there's something okay. that was not in that evaluation framework but the requirement for the use of drugs is part of a cult red flag. Uh, you must take this drug. You must engage in this mind-altering substance. Um, that That is a red flag for a cult. And again, it's about control and consent and being forced to do things. Uh, there are absolutely mm -hmm. spiritual paths that involve uh, the traditional use of certain medicines, uh, but that is not the same as uh being forced to do these things mm. no i mean if, if a group is is wanting to experiment with a certain thing um experimentation is fine but if you are not comfortable with it and somebody is saying you have to do it or you cannot be part of our group then rather choose not being part of the group mm -hmm. simple as that mm -hmm. um it's peer pressure i mean we, we had this when we were teenagers we have it now it's yeah. no different yeah yeah mm. you know if you don't if you don't come and take ayahuasca with us then you're you're a pussy and everything else it's ridiculous yeah that's that's not okay mm. does anybody have any other questions or thoughts about cults today before we wrap Thomas. up i spilled my chocolate all over my lap Any questions? 
Uh, we're going to have to wait a little while because there's a delay on the... Yeah, there's a bit of delay. talking in the chat. So next week, we are going to come back to our Sabbath series. And we're trying to get them in on the Fridays before it happens. So we will be talking about Candlemas and Lamas, those cross-quarter days. Yeah, I said that right. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, which ones are the quarters and which ones are the cross-quarters? So. <laughs> the fire festivals. No, it's not the fire festivals. It's the harvest festivals. <laughs> no, I got it wrong. No, Candlemas would be a fire festival. Anyways, we'll sort that yeah, all out next sense. week. Yes. <laughs> when we have prepared for the topic of hand. <laughs> but yeah next week we're going to talk about candle moss and lavas and then after that we were planning on getting started uh diving into the cochrane letters and mm. uh we are going to start our book club reading the white goddess by robert graves to kind of go along with our study of the cochrane letters because robert cochrane uh, definitely made many references to this book so uh, we are only doing a book club on our discord uh just for um ease of management so if you would like to participate in the book club please join us on our discord links are in the link tree discord is easy to use i promise if you've never used it um mm. there's there's not the opportunity for spam and ads and everything else because you're just in a server uh for whatever your topic is and there's there's lots of pagan and heathen communities on discord if you'd like to join more than just us um but yeah if you want to if you want to read along with us and discuss the book please join us uh soonly because there's not many more days left in january mm. um danielle said this was amazing well, thank I you so too. thank you thank you uh richard uh in your opinion would you consider groups like the kkk a cult or a movement i feel they are more a cult we have political groups like that in South Africa. Yes, we do. Uh, yeah, well, racist movements and racist groups all over the world, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know enough about the KKK, like if they have ways of retaining members. I know they recruit, because um, I've, I've seen some of that down in the mm -hmm. South. Um, so I mean, in I, South uh, Africa, you've got you've got these uh, well, yeah political groups. I mean, it's AWB, which is the one that stands out the most. But there's there are others which are not so prevalent. Um, but I do know, not too far from me, probably an hour and a half drive. Um, I don't know if it's still there. It probably is. Uh, but I remember years ago, I, I knew somebody who was part of the community. It's uh, an Afrikaans community that is just Afrikaans people. English people are not allowed in. Uh, black people are allowed to go in in the morning to work, and then they go leave in the evening, but that's it. Um, just they're very, very tight-knit. Um, but it's a culture. Yeah, cult and culture come from the same root word. Mm. Um, and again, like we talked about at the beginning, we're discussing dangerous cults we're discussing these ones that cause harm and there are people whose job it is to identify cults like this um and 
for something as big and as long-standing as the KKK and stuff like that, I'm sure there are write-ups on that and there are people whose actual professional opinions who do this for a living, you know, have uh, that information. They've evaluated it. They've obtained all sorts of information. Thankfully, uh, my life has not been terribly involved with the KKK. Mm. I can't say that for some of my friends, but... Actually, interestingly enough, uh, the, the Bonowitz um, valuation frame, I was reading here, it says uh, it was also used by the government of the Union of South Africa, so this was, I mean, Bonowitz, Bonowitz was, uh, this was written quite a long time ago, I think, mm-hmm. um, in its report on minority religions. Mm. If it's, uh, I mean, we, we had a a police unit here, I can't remember what it's called now, uh, the cult police unit or something, and they were not doing a very good job, put it that way. And apparently they have now come back into existence. So yeah, we were a bit worried about that lot, but you know. If they if they read this evaluation, then they didn't really, they didn't do a good job. Let's put it that way. Uh, Yolandi said Urania. Oh, Urania. Um, are you talking about the group that I was just talking about? I can't remember what they were called. It was between Pofada and somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> It was a long time ago, many years ago. You're not having a memory day. I'm getting old. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm 25 now. I'm a year older than I was 25 years ago. <laughs> oh, it's age with math. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least I remember that. <sighs> All right then. Should we call it an evening? Yep. Or day. Yep. Wherever we may be. As always, All right, then. we are happy to continue this discussion in our Discord and our Facebook group. Um, mm. Just because we're done with the live doesn't mean we're necessarily done with the topic. So if you'd like to come and discuss that, please do so. Mm. And I will find that link, Roop. I'm writing it down in my notebook. <laughs> Find link for root. There we go. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, the Afrikaans group. Yeah, I, I can't remember what they were called. Really can't remember. Um, I'll have to go back to my youth. I'll time travel. Because <laughs> time's not real anyway. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, for taking part in our discussion and all all the great uh, comments and questions today. We really appreciate it. And uh, Blade said, thank you both. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, everyone, for chatting with us. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye. ho Thank you for joining us today in the Black Hat Chat. 
have a look in the description of this podcast or in the about section for all of our links and tune in next week for another exciting chat.